This is one of a series of podcasts assembled from recordings made by United Nations Web TV in April 2016. It includes the opening remarks of a candidate for the position of United Nations Secretary General at an informal question and answer session with members of the UN General Assembly. This was followed by a media stakeout. This podcast was produced by me, Wyken Seagrave, Secretary of the Coventry Branch of the United Nations Association of the United Kingdom. You can download the podcasts of all the candidates or watch their videos and also vote for the candidate of your choice at our website unacov, that's U-N-A-C-O-V, dot U-K. This podcast features Danilo Turk, former president of the Republic of Slovenia, who is Slovenia's candidate for the United Nations Secretary General. We start with opening remarks to members of the General Assembly. With these remarks, I will give the floor to Mr. Danilo Turk of Slovenia to present his visionary statement, which we already received in a written form. Mr. Turk. Thank you, Mr. President, uh, distinguished ambassadors, delegates, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's a great privilege and a great honor to be with you this morning because I am fully aware of the fact that the informal dialogues are one of the important innovations in the practices of the United Nations. And I say so because my life has been for a very long time very closely associated with the United Nations. And today I'm appearing before you as a person who has witnessed and participated in a number of activities of the United Nations in many efforts, some of which did not succeed, but some of which did. I started 30 years ago and more as an expert on human rights, working on very important and interesting subjects such as freedom of expression and reduction of censorship building a system of indicators to measure the progress in the field of implementation of economic, social and cultural rights, developing a text, a draft declaration on the right to development, which has later become a standard feature of UN development and human rights discourse and policy making. And all this experience in human rights has remained with me throughout my professional life. Later, I became representative of the Republic of Slovenia to the United Nations and spent most of the 1990s in New York as permanent representatives. I must say this room is nicely renovated. I've been here many times, participated in many discussions. I remember full well the lessons and messages of Agenda for Peace, a great program which was produced at a particularly happy moment of the United Nations, but remains still unfulfilled in many respects. And I'm fully committed to those ideas that were discussed 20 more years ago in this room. I was also a member of the Security Council in late 1990s, witnessing some of the difficulties characterizing the work of the Council and trying to help in overcoming them. I participated in the mission of the Security Council to East Timor in 1999 
And I firmly believe that missions like this are a very important tool of preventive diplomacy where Security Council has an indispensable role. I'm very happy to see that these days such missions continue. I have read the reports about the mission to Africa, in particular the preventive spirit in which the discussions in Dakar were held, and in other places as well, with a name to reduce tensions and prevent conflicts in several parts in Africa where the tensions are high. Later, Secretary General Kofi Annan invited me to serve as his assistant for political affairs, and I worked with Kofi Annan for five years on a number of crisis situations, with a number of regional organizations, dealing with issues of security and peace, but also preventive diplomacy, strengthening of democracy, and, yes, UN reforms. Human rights, by historic coincidence, came back to the center of agenda in 2005, where one of the most important reforms was contemplated, namely creation of the Human Rights Council, an idea that has been with us in the United Nations for a very long time before. But the historic moment for its implementation came in 2005, and I'm proud to say that I was among those who advised the Secretary General on exactly how to define the profile of the Human Rights Council and how to make sure that all member states are reviewed, universal periodic review, and that the reviewers are reviewed first. Now, these were the kind of ideas which were long in the making, and the moment of their implementation came rather quickly. I'm happy to see that practice follow-up to that uh, important decision is generally good, but there are still many things to improve. I draw two lessons from this experience. Lesson number one, commitment to the United Nations. We who work in the United Nations are very often frustrated with the slow pace of change. We are sometimes impatient when we see that problems remain elusive and solutions long in coming. But then if we take a proper temporal perspective and we judge the performance of the United Nations in a proper temporal perspective, we would clearly see that many important historic developments have taken place as a result or with the assistance of the United Nations. Now that has strengthened my commitment to the organization and has been an important element in my decision to present my candidature to you. Commitment. Commitment based on specific experience. In the vision statement I laid out my basic ideas about the United Nations for the future and I do not wish to repeat them in detail. I would, however, mention a few elements which I believe are of special importance. First, the type of partnerships the UN has to develop in the present and in the coming period. First, and very important, partnership among member states, their commitment to multilateralism, strengthening of sovereignty as responsibility, which is not only responsibility to citizens of a state, but also to the international community and to the progress of humankind. Obviously, UN works in a, in a situation where regional organizations have gained a great deal of new importance, have, have developed their policies and sophistication to new levels. 
important partners without whom UN cannot succeed. And finally, among partnerships, horizontal communication and cooperation with civil society, business community, academia, and the media. All these are partnerships that UN has to cultivate and where the Secretary General has to play a role. And this applies to all three main areas of work of the United Nations. Maintenance of peace and security, sustainable development, and human rights. In the area of maintenance of peace and security, I have noticed, reading recent reports, that more and more emphasis is placed on preventive activities. This also was very clearly expressed in the reports relating to peace operations. And it is important to realize that in preventive work, all bodies of the United Nations have a role. Obviously, here is the Secretary General with his important, important role under Article 99, and I'm sure that we are going to discuss that in the course of this morning. But there is also a very important role of the Security Council, to which I have already alluded, and I would add the General Assembly. I would like to invite you, ladies and gentlemen, today to think about the powers of the General Assembly, in particular Article 14, which empowers the General Assembly to adjust any situation that it deems likely to impair general welfare or friendly relations among nations a very important platform for activity which has not been sufficiently used in the past. It has been used occasionally, but much more is needed. And when I'm mentioning this example, I'm doing so only to remind ourselves that prevention is a task for us all. When it comes to sustainable development, I understand that and sustainable development belongs to the center of activity of the United Nations at present. And obviously, there are many specific tasks which are involved here. One of which I would like to especially emphasize, and that is to ensure that the policy level, the level of political commitment and the level of policy seriousness does not diminish over time. We have seen following the Rio conference that the Commission on Sustainable Development gradually lost its initial influence, and we should not allow anything similar to happen now. And finally, on human rights, I think we need to strengthen the capacity of our institutions. Human rights were not very de developed very in a very detailed way in the Charter of the United Nations itself. It came as a result of Universal Declaration and subsequent instruments. And now we have the High Commissioner for Human Rights, we have the Council for Human Rights, and we have other forums. We have to mainstream human rights and ensure that they are taken as a part of the UN overall program. This, ladies and gentlemen, are my initial thoughts. I did not wish and I do not have the time to go into further detail, but I will gladly do so in the course of this morning, and I would like to inform you just right from the beginning. I came to New York yesterday to stay for about 10 days. I wouldn't want to miss the events towards the end of next week, and I would be very happy to meet with you individually or in smaller groups to discuss any of the questions you find interesting in some more detail. Thank you. These opening remarks were followed by a question and answer session which lasted about two hours. 
you can find a link to a video from our website unacov.uk. Next, we have a recording of the media stakeout which followed. Good morning, I'm Dan Thomas, I'm the communications director and the spokesman for the president of the UN General Assembly. Thank you for attending this media stakeout following today's informal dialogue of the General Assembly. Please allow me to introduce Dr. Danilo Turk, a former permanent representative, a former UN Assistant Secretary General, and a former president of his country, Slovenia, which has nominated him as a candidate for the position of the next Secretary General of the United Nations. Sir, the floor is yours. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be back at the United Nations, where I have uh, spent and worked many years. Um, I would only like to say that we have heard of all about my former duties. Uh, I'm, of course, here today to speak about my future plans. And my future plans relate to the post of the UN Secretary General. The question you might have is why do I consider myself appropriate for the job? And I would say it can be described by three words, experience, commitment, and vision. Now, I have spoken about all these three aspects in my statements and responding to questions of member states, and I believe that you have followed at least part of that discussion. I think it was pretty interesting, and I only regret that we didn't have more time which would allow me to elaborate on various things that were discussed. But here I am, and I am eagerly awaiting your questions, and I'll be happy to try to respond the best way I can. Uh, thank you, Mr. Turk, and uh, welcome back to the United Nations from some of your old friends who are here. Um, you talked about vision experience. Yeah. Um, how important do you think it is for the next Secretary General to um, be a dynamic communicator, someone who can really address um, a young generation that's very hooked on the digital world, and what would you do to really uh, change the way this institution communicates with all of the countries and the peoples of the world? Well, obviously, uh, communicating with the world is a very important job for the Secretary General. Unfortunately, nobody can claim to have all the perfect qualities, and I'm intensely aware of the fact that the young generation today communicates differently from what our generation used to do. And I, what I would do in this kind of circumstances are a few things. Of course, I will do my best to communicate with the public to the best of my abilities. But then I would appoint somebody as the chief of DPI who is really familiar with modern ways of communication. I would invite young people to join the United Nations. And I would like to suggest a fund which would allow young artists to come uh, into the United Nations framework simply to learn the stories of the United Nations and to tell the stories. I think the UN is very bad in storytelling. We have great stories to tell, and we have to find people who can do it. Very good. Thanks a lot. I, I, you were asked about... Uh, you announce your name oh, and your media okay. organization. Sure. Thanks, a lot. Thanks for reminding me. Matthew Lee, Inner City Press. You were asked about the Haiti cholera issue. Yes. And, and I, maybe I misunderstood you. You seem to say that immunity 
is a good and appropriate thing, but that there may be some process behind the scenes taking place to, to, to pay compensation. I'm not aware of that. And on DPI, you mentioned, you, you, I, I like what you just said, but do you think that journalists at the UN should have some kind of a due process right, i.e. be able to express themselves as they see fit without being throw out, thrown out or some kind of appeals right? Do you think that the same principles of freedom of the press that the UN preaches elsewhere should apply inside the United Nations? Thank you. Well, surely the principles should apply to everybody. I would only warn against over-legalizing um, things. I think we have to work in the spirit of cooperation. After all, we are all here for the same purpose. And I think that that purpose should guide us. In a similar vein, what I said about cholera and Haiti. You see, I'm a law professor, and I highly value the importance of legal regulation and legal statuses, including the uh, immunity for the United Nations. It's an important uh, feature of this organization. But then we have to think about fairness and process and also remedies in a broader sense. We have to distinguish between what is legally necessary and what is humanely possible. And I would like UN to do everything that is humanely possible. When I say that I trust that there are discussions, that there are informal con contacts about the, the Haitian situation, um, I cannot say that I know full well what is going on. But I have a sense from various indications that I have seen, and I can't be more precise on this, that this story is not closed, that, that this, is a, this is a problem that has to be dealt with. And I, I do trust in the Secretary General and his work and his communication with the Security Council in the, in the search for, for some degree of fairness and, and justice. Joseph Klein, Canada Free Press. Uh, would you, as Secretary General, favor institutionalizing some form of freedom of information uh, in the spirit of open and trans, uh, transparency, in other words, to have uh, internal documents that are not uh, specific, you know, to, do not deal specifically with very sensitive confidential information to be made public uh, uh, sooner than, than they are now. And also, it related to the same question, would you favor a standing outside body, um, independent body, and I think this was a question you might have had inside the chamber, to um, uh, investigate, to investigate uh, allegations of wrongdoing and recommend remedies, but it would be a standing body rather than one created for each particular crisis. Thank you. Well, on the freedom of information, let me mention an anecdote from one of the previous secretaries general who complained that whatever is discussed on the 38th floor becomes known on the second floor in about 10 minutes. Uh, that was the impression that insiders had about the confidentiality of their processes. It's also important to understand that sometimes the ideas that are being discussed within the Secret Secretariat have to mature and it would be inappropriate to discuss them publicly at the time when they are not 
properly matured. So these are the kind of basic features of diplomatic work and the United Nations which have to be respected. However, I think that your suggestion about uh, freedom of information policy, I would put it that way, freedom of information policy is a valid one. If elected as Secretary General, I would certainly look into this. I would certainly consult with the senior management to see how best to do it, because the UN has to be transparent. UN has to be uh, available to the people. That's the only way that UN can strengthen its authority. So, so the basic idea is clearly, I shouldn't say acceptable, because this is kind of two UNEs, but a very good one and something that I would certainly entertain if elected. And then finally, on the external body, um, there has to be a combination. I think UN has do more for in, its internal processes to be sufficiently quick, sufficiently transparent, and sufficiently effective. Uh, when we talk about the Central African Republic and the misconduct of peacekeepers, it was really appalling that the process was not immediate, that, that things did not happen you know, immediately, that things were not brought to the attention of the Secretary General and acted upon immediately. Now why that happened and how it happened, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an insider at this point. But I can clearly see a need for a more effective internal processes, irrespective of what we do with external bodies. There may be a need for external bodies as well, but my priority would be for greater effectiveness and quick work of the internal processes. Hello, Mr. Torp. Good to see you again after all these years. I'm Evelyn Leopold. To pick up on communication, can you do anything to change the UNEs in which the, US, the UN speaks? It's not necessarily something that the Department of uh, Information does, but in every single meeting. Well, maybe you have seen my effort this morning. I, I tried, but but sometimes it is very difficult. You know, we are we are all captivated by our language, by our concepts, and we gradually lose uh, uh, the understanding that the outside world is not speaking in the same language, is not using the same concepts. So we need an effort to change that. Now, what what I could do uh, at this point is certainly bring some um, non-UN experience. I have been outside the UN for the last uh, eight or nine years, so that. that that's helpful, I believe. And then if I'm elected the Secretary General, I will make sure that at least 30% of what I say is non-UNEs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Great. Thank you very much. That was great. Okay. Thank you so much.